You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, I promise you it's not deja vu. We're not going to be in the Lord's Prayer right now. We've covered that over a few weeks not too long ago. Uh, we're going to be carrying on into verse 19 and on through the chapter. Uh, today we're finishing up our series that we're calling Making Change. It's where we've been introducing to you uh, not a new direction, but a continuation of the vision and mission that God has given us as 12th Street Baptist Church over the last 120 years. We are developing new partnerships, like with Gadsden Middle School as the first in many school partnerships that we will be developing. We are uh, partnered, as we talked about last week, with the, the children's services called Lifeline that we want to encourage you to check out and be looking for more updates as we solidify some of those things we talked about last week as well. If you, don't, if you haven't heard about it, you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to last week's sermon on the web or on iTunes. We want you to know where we're headed so that you can jump in and be a fully devoted, functioning member of this faith family. So that's also why you just saw demonstrated for you the calendar updates on our website. You want to know what's going on? You feel like you don't know sometimes what's happening? That's all you got to do is go to 12th.co, go to events, and then click on the calendar view, and you'll see all the major things coming up. And if you click on those, they'll give you an update more in-depth about what's happening. That's because we want you to recognize that being a Christian and being part of a church does not just entail coming here on Sunday mornings, going to a small group, listening to someone teach or preach, singing some songs. Those are a big part of what we do throughout the week. But in addition to that, we are called to practice the way of Jesus, to be apprentices to Jesus. And as we have determined in our gift set and in our local situation, we believe we can best do that by being a family for families. And so that's kind of where we're headed as a church, to kind of declare to our community that we are 12th Street Baptist Church, a family for families, helping people become apprentices to Jesus by practicing the way of Jesus. So we want you to key into that. We're going to talk about another partnership today. Uh, today we're also going to talk about something that I, with a few of my friends, pastor friends, we have corny jokes that pastors only tell each other. And uh, this is one of those weeks that I would call, or my friends would call a space maker. Uh, this is when we're going to talk about financial things. We're going to talk about areas that are close to our heart and even closer to our wallet. And so I hope that you will uh, not block it out, but you'll ask the Lord. If it's in Scripture... What am I supposed to do about it? And Lord, if you're directing us there today, you have something you want us to do about it. And this is not some ploy to get you to give more in the plate. This is us looking through the word together as I believe God is pushing us down a path to see how can we be more like Christ every single day. And that always includes the things that we don't want to talk about too. And for many of us, for many of us, we have lived our lives in churches, we've heard about giving to this, giving to that, give to the building fund, give to the budget, give to whatever thing we bring before you, and I'm going to bring some of that before you today, but really what it's about, it's about being obedient to the Lord and making sure that we are of one mind. I don't mean that just in being unified around something, I mean that like what Jesus talks about when he begins the Sermon on the Mount, when he says in the Beatitudes, one of them specifically, he says, blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. And the reason why he says that language is because to that people at that time, what he meant are those people are blessed who are singularly focused on relationship with God 
and bringing others into that relationship through what would become known to us as the gospel of Jesus. And that includes everything in our lives. I want you to know that as we move down the path together, as we begin to walk in the presence of God, being with God every day, as we learn how to do that through practices that we're going to be endeavoring in together, as we then begin to be formed into the image of Christ as we are becoming like Jesus, we will then be on the mission of Jesus that he has given us. It means doing the things Jesus has done. And we see that as he gave everything for the sake of coming to save us. And today we're going to talk about how it's part of our responsibility, part of our obligation, and also part of our blessing to be like Jesus in giving our everything to him and to his mission. And so let's look at the text, let's read it together, and then let's pray as we ask the Lord to lead us this morning. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. I'm going to stop on verse 24 for now. We will go further as we continue on, but just 19 through 24. Remembering, this is right after he teaches the disciples, this is how you pray, and this is how you forgive, and this is how you fast. And then he immediately goes into this. And by the way, I will say that that by best estimates, as far as some people give a little different number than others, but a good estimate is that about 15% of what Jesus talks about includes finances. You know, he talks more about money than he does about heaven or hell in the scriptures. So let's look at what he says right here about those things. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Father, I ask you today for strength from your Holy Spirit for all of us, that we might lean into you and find that you are our only treasure that will endure forever. You and the ones whom you have called to be yours and who you will call to be yours. So Lord, today I pray that you would put things into our heart from your word that would change us from the inside out and how we think and how we love and how we behave so that you would receive the glory and that we would be singularly focused on your kingdom and your glory and on the fame of your son, Jesus. We ask that you do that in us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If I had to give a title to this, if I had to give you one kind of punchline that you're going to hear throughout this whole thing, I'd phrase it up in just four words. Be generous like Jesus. Be generous like Jesus. We're going to unpack this and we're going to see what that means for us. I ask that you would not be thinking about others around you or those who are not here, but be thinking about you and where you need to change according to the word. And so let us look together back again in verse 19. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Note in verse 19 and 20 that he does not simply say, do not lay up money for yourselves in in 401ks. He could have just said that. Or back in those days, do not just bury your money in the dirt somewhere on your land, your gold, your silver, your gems, your valuables. But he actually says, do not lay up treasures for yourselves on earth where moth and rust destroy. So therefore, he's talking about things that can be eaten by moths. He's talking about even your clothing. He's talking about the linens that you have, the the hand-me-downs you've had in your family for a, a century or 50 years. He's talking about the things that you pack in your closets. He's talking about the things that can be destroyed by, by creatures that God has given us. And man, maybe it's a blessing even when he does do that to get our hearts back to himself or to reveal where we are hurting, to recognize where we are worshiping. But he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust. You may think, well, rust doesn't destroy like coinage. Yeah, when you see in other places in scripture where those things do happen. In fact, in James 5, 2, and 3, he says, Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Man, may that not be a statement about us. I'm read it one more time. He says, Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you. You hear those words? Your evidence against you will be your laid-up treasures that have sat there to do nothing for the kingdom's sake. It says you will have evidence against you, and they will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Listen, how you invest your dollars... How you invest your dollars reveals the one to whom you're actually devoted. And that's just the truth of it. And yes, we have to give money to those that we owe to our mortgages. We have to give, we have to give money to the things like paying our electricity. We have to give money to uh, the things that, that help our kids play a sport because we want them to be well-rounded and be in community with other people. We have to give money to those things. But to where do you give the money that you don't have to put somewhere else? To where do you put the money that God has given you. Could you do a little less in one area to do a little more in another area? Those are all things we're accountable to. And how much we put towards these certain things declare how much we are devoted to those certain things or even people. So I would say again, how you invest your dollars can reveal the one to whom you're devoted. That's a scary thought. You may think it's too much. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul says this, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not money, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Let me put it a different way. Just because you make money doesn't mean that you're evil. It doesn't mean you're sinning. Just because you put money back, it doesn't mean you're being... uh, a sinner in that way, it could mean that you're being wise depending on what you're doing and to how much you're doing it. But when we hoard the gifts that God has given us and place them just on ourselves and turn down the Holy Spirit's movement in us to give to things or people or efforts that he puts on our hearts, we are then walking in sin. We need to make sure we understand that. That's why Jesus said it's harder for a rich man 
to enter in through the eye of a needle than it is for him to enter into heaven. That's a legit statement that some people have tried to say is, is less of a statement than it is. We always seem to try to find the things we don't like in Scripture and flip them upside down to make them easier for us to palate. But the truth is, over and over again, we see that those who are rich struggle more to walk in the ways of Christ. He says here again, it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You may think, that's not me. But maybe your efforts to make a little more, to save a little more, to spend on things that, that aren't necessarily the right things to spend on, given what the Holy Spirit's telling you as you spend time with Him, or maybe He's trying to tell you as you don't spend time with Him. As you do those things, maybe what He's revealing to you is that you actually are wandering away from the faith, even though you're in this room right now. That's the scariest thing, isn't it? When Jesus later on in this little sermon says, many will come to me on the last day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? He said, depart from me, I never knew you. That means those who would like be in this room with us, those who would call themselves Christians and followers and devotees to Jesus. But are we really devoted in all things? Finances is an easy way to tell. You see, God's given us everything in Jesus. We say that, we think it, we believe it, at least mentally. So then let us give away what is eventually going to go away anyway. Do you understand? All these things on earth that we build up and build up and build up, and we hold on to them like this is our kingdom, like this is our time. And this is a season for which we are to spend everything in our lives on making much of God and reaching people, saving people by giving them Jesus. So why not be like Jesus and sacrifice for souls that will live forever instead of sacrificing for things that don't even last through the first or second season of them? I'm going to introduce you to another partnership. We are partnering in a more concrete way with the Etowah Pregnancy Testing Center. This has been something that is close to my heart for obvious reasons that many of you would know about from my past. It's something that many of you are very passionate about. We have some in this church who serve there regularly. This partnership is based upon their mission, which is that they are a crisis pregnancy center dedicated to serving young women in our area. They serve women who are pregnant or think they might be pregnant with things like free confidential lab quality pregnancy tests, with parenting classes, one-on-one -on -one peer counseling on subjects like the risks of abortion, adoption single parenting, temporary foster care. They give away maternity and baby clothes. They give away diapers. They give away beds and mattresses and car seats to the women, especially who go and take classes and are able to gain some credit for what they do to learn about Jesus and learn how to be better parents. And they give them all these things. They're free to the, to the women, but they're not free to the pregnancy center. They give referrals for prenatal care. They give free licensed Christian counseling. They give drugs. They give drug and addiction counseling referrals. They give job and education assistance referrals, housing referrals, adoption services. They give referrals to those who have gone through abortion who need to see the grace and love and mercy of Christ. They need divine healing. They offer pregnant women the option of seeing their child in the womb through local organizations that will give them a free ultrasound. They can see the life that God has placed in them through whatever means that came about. Last year, over 750 women walked through the doors of our pregnancy center on Church Street. 
Did you know that they do all these things on a yearly budget of $100,000? That includes the two full-time ladies that serve there. Now, can you imagine living on whatever they live on and then also doing all this ministry? They rely on the donations of people like you and me and churches like ours, and they raise their funds through one large dinner per year, and they raise their funds through a thing you might have participated in. It's bottles for babies where they give a bottle out, and you put all your change in it, and then you turn it back in after a length of time. Some of us take longer than others to get it back, right? Because we forget about getting it back. They don't care when it comes in. But did you know that last year, that baby bottle fundraiser, the only thing they really do other than the dinner that they do once a year, that baby bottle fundraiser that we participated in, you know how much it accrued for them last year in donations? Only a little over $1,800. That's it. And our part in that, and I'm so thankful that some of us participated in that, our kids participated in that, and some of you participated in that, but our part in that, our church as a whole, gave just over $100 to that last year. So when I was sitting down listening to these things after I'd done a devotion for some of the ladies that work there and serve there, as I began to pray about it through our week of prayer and fasting, as I sought counsel from others who serve here at the church and we prayed together about it, we came to a place where we think that we can do better than that. We believe that we are being led to partner with this organization that does something that is so needed in our community that many have forgotten about or don't know about at all. And so we're partnering in numerous ways, but one of those is that this year, I want to personally challenge you to step it up a little bit as a church as I join in with you, as we join in together. And over the next four weeks, as we give through our Sunday school classes, where you can give by writing on an envelope and dropping it in the plate or dropping it back here, we're going to try to raise enough money to double what the total was last year for Bottles for Babies. We're going to try to raise $4,000. It's not a lot of money for us to raise as a church. If we had 20 families that gave $100, we'd raise half of that. What if we don't just think about doing it? What if we don't just pray a little bit about doing it? But what if we went and asked God literally what he wants us to do with his money? What if we said, maybe, Lord, you want us to give radically to this need in our community. Maybe he wants you to go out and buy a baby bed and a baby mattress for $150. Maybe he wants you to go buy a car seat for $50. Maybe he wants you to go buy sizes 5 and 6 in diapers because that's what they really need. they got a lot of the others. Maybe he wants you to give that way. Maybe he wants you to give financially to this thing. Maybe he wants you to give of your time. It's really his time anyway, right? He purchased it on the cross. Maybe you want to become, as you pray about this, he leads you to want to become a client advocate where you sit down with these ladies and you counsel them after a lot of training. Where you can be an advocate so these potential mothers-to-be can experience the love of Jesus through you. Let us ask him what he wants us to do with his money and his time for things like this, for partnerships like this, and for endeavors like this. I believe we'd all agree this is a worthy endeavor. So let us seek the Lord to see what he would like for us to do. For after all, is it really sacrificing to give up what's not really ours in the first place? To give it up for the one who gave up everything for us? Is it really sacrificing to give up what is going away anyway, our money, our time, for the souls of those who will last forever? Look, Luke 12, 32 and on. Fear not, little flock, 
For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's a crazy statement, isn't it? Where is our heart? You may think you know where it is, but let me take us to the next text and let's see what it really is. Look at verses 22 through 23. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? You may be thinking, now what in the world does that have to do with what we just read? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. I'm going to help us a little bit as I've done a lot of study through this and looking at the language, looking at the history. The eye is the lamp of the body, verse 22. We, we say it before, the eyes are windows to the soul, right? We look at that as in looking into someone, but this is more of that thing through which your heart desires the things that your eyes then set upon. And so when we see that the eye is the lamp of the body, it means that whatever you set your heart on, whatever you set your eyes on for desiring those things, those things then fill you up. They fill your heart. It can be filling it with light, things that draw you into relationship with God, things that that set your heart upon the Lord. It can draw you into things that draw you away from the Lord. And so the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is this darkness? Then he says, to clarify, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Two masters. You recognize in Romans 6, it says the same similar thing there. It talks about the, the same idea. You and I are actually enslaved to something all the time. So what are we going to be enslaved to? You're either enslaved to the king who loves you and is benevolent and gave his son for you so you could be with him forever because that's how much he loves you, or you're enslaved to something else that does not love you that much. There is no in-between. And you cannot serve two masters. You may say, well, I've got two jobs. Okay. You're not enslaved to those like you would be a master in the way this is talking about. This is talking about total enslavement. You can only be one master's slave. And you will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. That's the Hebraic way of kind of saying the same thing. You can't serve two masters because you're going to hate one and love the other. You're going to be totally devoted to one and despise the other. And he makes it really clear you cannot serve God and money. It is not possible. There's only enough room in your hearts for one king. So who really has our hearts? Who do you truly treasure in this life? In John, his epistles later on, in 1 John 2, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's scary. And he says this, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. In other words, what you desire in your heart, what you're setting your eyes upon, what you're endeavoring to give yourself over to is passing away. 
The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, those things are passing away. They will not endure, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Whoever desires him who has a singularly focused heart on kingdom, on the king himself, that's the one who will abide forever. Randy Alcorn, in his little book called The Treasure Principle, said this. He said, I'm convinced that the greatest deterrent to giving is this, the illusion that earth is our home. The illusion that earth is our home is why we do not give generously to whatever it is the Lord puts on our heart to give to. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look, we think we don't have that problem. Listen to me. I understand you think this is not you I'm talking to. You think this is not, the Bible's not talking to you right now. But, but I can give you example after example in my own life where I thought, too, even as a Christian, that I was not tied to things. The first time I bought this nice guitar, and I'm hanging out with a friend playing this guitar in his office, learning how to play, and I dropped some music and bent over to get it, and I just scratched the whole front of that guitar up. And my stomach felt like I was going to puke right there. My heart sank, like my whole day was ruined, and I just, this heaviness went all over me because I loved that thing too much. And God was gracious to reveal that to me. Where I got a really nice car, and I was driving this car the first time, driving it down to the beach. The first day I got it, picked it up in Birmingham, driving down to Panama City, picked up a friend. As I was backing up, his girlfriend was in the back seat, sitting on the middle. I didn't see a car backing up, and I back-ended right into another car. First day I had the car. Anybody else had that happen, something like that? Craziness? I'm the only one? <laughs> it's like all the time. First motorcycle, didn't have it a couple of months. Thought I'd just really gas on it a little bit and get going a little fast and took a curve with some wet whatever was on the road and had to lay it down into a barbed wire fence. You don't know how much plastic costs until you have it on a bike or a car. You know what I mean? My heart sank and I realized I was putting my love in that thing. And I say all day long I love Jesus more than any of that. But in my heart in those moments I was really putting my hope and love in that thing. It's crazy to think, but that's what was happening. What thing today, if it were to be ripped out of your hands, would ruin you right now? That is where you have some hope. That is where you have some love that might be competing with your love for Christ. Even our families are not our own, brothers and sisters. They are the Lord's. We are stewards, even of our families. Our money is not our own. It's all the Lord's. He gives us what we need so that we can be a part of his kingdom work. Not so that we can hoard it in our houses or in our barns or in our banks or in our 401ks or in our Roths. It's not for that alone. Those things are good and wise, but that's not what that money's ultimately for. It's for His glory. It's for our joy in Him. And we know what the Bible says, but we try to convince ourselves that it's, it's so different back then, or maybe it doesn't apply to us today in the same way. Take, for example, Acts chapter 2. Jesus is gone. He said, I'll pre prepare a place for you. I send back my Holy Spirit to you. Wait till he comes upon you. Then go out and preach the word. As soon as the Holy Spirit falls, they get up and preach the word. 3,000 people come to faith after Peter is one of the guys of many that are out there preaching the gospel. His is recorded in Acts 2. And then right after that, in verse 42 on, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what we're doing right now. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship as part of what we're going to do in our small groups in a few minutes when we go out to eat together, and to the breaking of bread and prayers, which probably, I believe, signifies their time taking the Lord's Supper together and praying together. It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
And all who believed were together and had all things in common. You hear that? Listen to what it says. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You need something done at the doctor's office? You don't have enough money? Let me go sell this right quick. Here's some money. You don't have a place to sleep right now? Here, I'm going to sell this and I'm going to help you have a place to stay. I'm going to invite you in my home. I'm going to care for you. You need something right now? I'm going to give you my vehicle. Right? I'm going to give you this extra thing that I have. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of you today. You don't have anybody to help you with this. I'm going to come over and help do this thing at your home and serve you because I love you, my time, because Jesus loved us with his time. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. That's in there, generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If we did something crazy like that, people would be knocking down the door to be a part of a family like this. It would change everything. And right now we're thinking, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not listening. I know that's that's how I read it. What would it look like if we actually believed so much in our king and in his kingdom that we looked like these first Christians did? Don't we say we believe Colossians 3, 1 through 4, where it says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In other words, brothers and sisters, the money we have is not ours because we're dead in Christ as his. We've been bought with the precious blood of Christ that's worth more than all things put together. So therefore, that is his money. That is his house. That is, those are his children. That is his spouse that, that we are loving because he first loved us. They are not ours to own or to hoard. They are ours to give freely to whatever he puts in our face and says, give to that. It could change everything about our lives. Some of you might get crazy and like sell a home and get a smaller home and give money away. Some of us might get crazy and like not buy the thing we think we've been saving up for for so long. Some of us will begin to, to work hard to get out of our debt so that we could give more generously instead of living on paycheck to paycheck, right? Some of us would seek out education in that way to be able to know how to do those kind of things. What would it look like if we did that? But the reasons we don't do that are many. The reasons are so many. Look, he goes right in from here into verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, listen, by being anxious about your finances, about the things that are so important, which of you by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, our master says. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who are not of the way, that are not Jewish, 
The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first, this is a command, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Listen to me. If you've got more money than somebody else around you, I'm not saying that you're a sinner for having more money. You're not. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, look at Job. That guy was rich beyond belief, and after he went through all the trials he went through, he was even richer after that. Hey, money's not bad, but where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. The only treasure we're supposed to have, ultimately, is Jesus. Everything else is a means to make much of him and to honor him. So why is it so difficult to be generous with what actually belongs to God? There's a lot of reasons. Let me give it to you in a positive statement, though. We're all about investing. Invest for your retirement, invest for your kid's future, invest for your education, invest for all the things you do. I want to give you an investment statement. I want to tell you how you get the best ROI, return on investment. Invest for the long haul by being generous like Jesus. That's how you get the best return on investment. Jesus Christ, who owns everything in the universe, by him, through him, and for him, of all things been created, he owns everything. And when he owns everything, you know what he did? He laid it aside and gave it up so that he could come serve us, so that he could go live the life that we cannot live, to die the death that we deserve, so that he could then rise in victory over Satan, sin, death, and hell. Not because he couldn't have done it without doing all that. He did that so he could bring us with him, because to him, we are his greatest treasure. We are his greatest treasure. He gave his life to win us. What are we giving our lives to, brothers and sisters? What are we giving our lives to? To what are we giving our lives? What is valuable enough to be worth more than our very lives, our hearts? What is our treasure? Why is it so difficult for us to be generous as Jesus has shown generosity to us? Here's a few things that have been slapped in my face this week. Maybe we set our eyes and hearts on the temporary instead of the eternal. Maybe we believe the lie that this is our kingdom and our treasure. But if we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, then Jesus is our only true treasure. We don't believe that God loves us. Maybe that's the problem. We don't believe in his promises. Like we said right there, I just read to you in chapter 6 of Matthew 25 and on, that he will give you what you need. It may not be exactly what you thought you wanted, but he will give you clothes to wear. He did it for Adam and Eve before they had any clothes around, right? He'll do it for you, what you eat or what you drink. There's nobody in this country that will ever go without. We don't allow it. We're the richest country in the world per capita. People that I've spent time with in other parts of the world live on a dollar a day or two dollars a day. Go without food. Go without a house. Go without things. We are rich even in our poverty here. We think money can save us. We call it security. But only Jesus truly saves. So what if we lived like we believed it? What if we gave like we meant it? I'm not saying just give to our church. I'm saying give wherever the Lord tells you to give. 
Give the amount he tells you to give instead of arguing it down. We think money will secure us, but the only real security is being held in the hands of the God who has secured our eternal future in Jesus Christ on the cross. That is it. Anything else we do is lying to self and putting our hope in something that will never give back what Jesus has already given. We think money will satisfy us, but does it ever really satisfy us? I get the new thing, I want the other new thing. I get the new thing, I get some time with that new thing, it goes old and sits in the closet. And I maintain that new thing, that hopefully one day I'll go back to that new thing instead of giving it away or selling it and give that money to something more kingdom-minded. Even if that just means bringing in my neighbors in order to love on them with the love of Christ. And sometimes we think, I've given enough, I can sit back now, but maybe the Holy Spirit's not done with you. Only Jesus can truly satisfy our souls. So are we going to be kingdom-minded or are we going to be earthly-bound, brothers and sisters? Are we going to spend God's money for his glory or are we going to hoard it for earthly, fleeting pleasures? It's not wrong to go on a date with your spouse. You better do that, guys. It's not wrong to buy your kids a gift or some gifts. But what if before we did some of those things, at least we would go to the Lord and say, is this what you want me to do with this money? Is this how you want me to spend it this time? Your money? Is it to spend on this way to show lavishness to my family, which I know you do all the time as you did it in Jesus? And maybe he says yes. Or maybe he says no. Do this with it instead. Are we going to be kingdom-minded or earthly bound? Matthew 13, 44, this could have been the whole sermon right here. I'm not going to preach another one, just hear me right. This is my favorite verses dealing with money and kingdom. I want it to stick in our hearts. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up, that in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up, that in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. His friends thought he was crazy. You know that? You're selling your house for that acre? You're selling everything you have for that? You're going to be destitute. You'll have nothing. He's like, oh, you don't know. You don't get it. You don't see it. Let me flip the story for just a minute. Look at it a little differently, right? This is Jesus telling us a parable. It's about this, but you could also look at it from his perspective. Think about it like this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, dead under the surface, which a man named Jesus found and came and covered up with his blood on the cross and gave his life, gave everything for it, and went and bought that field with his own blood and brought us all out of the grave. And what a glorious Savior that we give everything for us who rebel against him continually. What would it look like if we gave everything for him in that way? It would change our church. It would change our families. It would change how our kids grow up. It would change how your grandkids see life from here forward. It would change how our community sees Jesus. It would change the door openings that would happen if we would only live like Christ even in this. It is a spiritual, listen, it is a spiritual practice to be generous and to be stewards instead of owners. We are not owners, we are stewards. The only thing we own is the brother named Jesus who gave himself to us and made himself ours. So I hope you'll pray with me these things. Lord, give us kingdom hearts. Give us 
kingdom minds. Free us from the treasure of this earth, which is not even ours. And let us find Jesus, your son, to be our true treasure. And let us find the eternal souls of others, like these moms and these unborn children that go to the pregnancy testing center. Like the people around us that nobody's noticing, that are hurting, that need the grace and mercy of Christ from your lips or from your hands. Let us find the eternal souls of others to be of more worth than the things of this earth that are passing away. Oh, Lord, we need you to work in our hearts. Show us this week, Lord, as we endeavor to seek after you. Show us where we are holding on to things like they are our treasure. Lord, let us see that we are like children who cannot hold on to a heavy treasure that that burdens us down and also hold on to the one who has lifted us up in his arms. We have to let go of one. So Lord, may it be that you give us the strength and the power and the desire in Christ by your spirit to let go of the stuff, to let go of the money, to let go of the things that you put on our heart to let go of, whatever they may be, Lord, so that we can cling wholly to you as you have given up everything in your son Jesus, who gave up everything for us, even his life on the cross so that we could be his. Let us be yours in that way for your glory and for the fame of your son Jesus. I ask that in his name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.